lost their life. Tonight, a person experiencing homelessness in the cold dies in a fire. And it's not the first tragedy of this kind. Plus, they, they put our community at risk. An alleged elaborate COVID vaccine Q-jumping scheme in a small town and how it was foiled. And we're just trying to do what we can to stay alive. The Rio Theatre sells out to sports fans, but not before last-minute COVID adjustments the owner says aren't safe. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with an urgent plea for those who are homeless to find shelter this weekend now that sub-zero temperatures have set in and snow is in the forecast. As Julia Foy reports, a tragedy on the North Shore last night highlights just how vulnerable so many people are right now. Homelessness advocate Nicole Mucci scans the small triangle of forest tucked between Bond and Orwell streets in North Vancouver. This is where a camper died Friday night. We are absolutely devastated that somebody lost their life last night at the beginning of this cold snap. Firefighters were called to the wooded area around 4 p.m. when someone noticed smoke and flames. What they found was much worse. They had discovered a deceased person who had been unfortunately burned in um, a bit of a camping area here. RCMP and the coroner spent the night searching for clues. We don't uh, have any evidence that there is any foul play involved. Uh, this really does just appear to be a tragic, a tragic accident. Yeah, I just, I actually just heard it explode. And... Just 24 hours earlier, a fire broke out at a homeless camp in Beacon Hill Park in Victoria. A camper had left his Bunsen burner on in his tent. He survived, but lost all of his possessions. Every time that we have a cold snap in the lower mainland, we are concerned for people. It can be dangerous out there. With cold weather and snow expected over the weekend, cities across Metro Vancouver are opening up warming shelters. In 2008, when a homeless woman died after a candle she used for warmth caused a fire as she slept in a shopping cart, Vancouver changed its rules to allow people to bring their carts and animals inside. People shouldn't have to choose between freezing to death or having to put their lives on the line in order to stay warm at night. The public can help by donating warm clothes and winter camping gear to social service providers and direct those in need to warming shelters, including this one in North Vancouver, about a half-hour walk from where one homeless person lost their life. Julia Foy, Global News. And meteorologist Yvonne Schell joins us now with more on the snow warning. Yvonne. Yeah, snowfall warning for much of the south coast. Right now we are seeing an increase in cloud cover, but the bulk of the precipitation is going to start to push in. It'll be late evening and overnight when we're sleeping, and we are going to see wet snow for most areas, changing over to snow by the morning hours, even for areas that are closer to sea level. And then by the afternoon, it switches back over to rain for most areas. But we do have a special weather statement for the Fraser Valley extending. We could see a few spots of upward of 10 centimeters, but I'll have more on the amounts and the timeline for our Sunday coming up very shortly. Colleen? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Another fire overnight forced everyone out of a Burnaby Hotel. Firefighters were called to the 401 Hotel Inn on Boundary Road just after 2 o'clock this morning. One person had to be rescued from a balcony. Three others were sent to hospital for smoke inhalation. Firefighters say the fire was isolated to a second floor unit, but there was water damage to other suites. 
A transit bus was brought in to temporarily shelter those evacuated from the building. The fire department says they will be displaced for at least a week as some safety issues need to be addressed, including some smoke alarms not working and asbestos in the building. No word yet on what caused the fire. An explosive scene in Cloverdale at about 4 o'clock this morning when a concrete manufacturing company caught fire on 192nd Street near Highway 10. The flames also spread to several buildings on the 20,000-square-foot lot. The cause of the fire is under investigation, and the RCMP have been called in to help. And there were several propane tanks on the property, and explosions could be heard throughout the neighborhood. That building was... Uh was full of was full of propane and uh, had some oils in it. It was an open type structure, so it had no no walls. So once the fire got in there, it traveled very quickly, and it was fully involved when the crews arrived. As most of us eagerly anticipate our vaccinations now scheduled for the coming months, a Canadian couple is accused of jumping the queue. As Kristen Robinson reports, the men and women were both charged earlier this week after allegedly flying to the Yukon to be inoculated. We don't have any big giant stores or anything like that. At the end of the Alaska Highway in the Yukon, Beaver Creek is home to about 100 odd residents. It's a great place to visit. Come say hello to everybody. Before COVID hit, the most westerly community in Canada was used to welcoming visitors. Well, there's a little bit of everything here for people that need to pick up the odds and ends. But what two Canadians recently traveled here to pick up shocked Yukoners. We were just completely angry, frustrated with these folks. They put our community at risk. Community Services Minister John Stryker says a couple arrived in the territory on January 19th and was told to self-isolate for 14 days. What I'm told is that they chartered a flight from Whitehorse to Beaver Creek where we were running our mobile vaccine clinic. The pair is accused of misrepresenting themselves to jump the queue in the remote community. What I was told is that they presented themselves as workers in a motel. They got the vaccine they got back on a flight. Someone called the COVID enforcement team. The couple was caught departing the Yukon and charged under the Civil Emergency Measures Act with failure to self-isolate and not living up to their declaration. The Yukon has only had 70 COVID cases so far, and the alleged jet-setting pandemic scoff laws are not sitting well with Beaver Creek's indigenous population. We talked to uh, the chief of the White River First Nation and uh, some of the other counselors, and the, the way they phrased it to me was that they felt violated. This is akin to strangers going into the neonate part of the hospital and taking baby incubators away from those who need them. The maximum fine, $500 each. The White River First Nation wants officials to pursue a more just punishment, citing the potentially lethal effects to its community, which includes elders and vulnerable people. Don't put communities at risk, particularly First Nations. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The curtains were finally raised at Vancouver's Rio Theatre this afternoon, but it debuted as a sports bar of sorts. The former independent cinema pivoted to comply with public health orders as a way to survive financially. Nadia Stewart was there for the Rio's first face-off with fans after a face-off with public health officials. 
Just hours before the Rio Theater's grand reopening, after pivoting from showing films to now operating as a sports bar, owner-operator Corinne Lee is thrown a curveball. They were wanting all the customers to come in and sit down, and uh, we would have to serve them. So a person would have to come and take their order in their seat, and they'd have to pay there. We'd have to bring them their popcorn and their drinks. They were the health inspectors who unexpectedly showed up on reopening night. Lee says the change she's been asked to make does not make sense to her. If this is really about safety, then why would you ask me to do something, change, change something to my business that makes it less safe? And why, if I'm the person saying that's not going to be safer, why am I being told that, that then I'm not complying? It's unclear what the outcome of this last-minute visit from health inspectors will ultimately be. For now, Lee is pushing ahead. Customers order their food and drinks as they come in. Their drinks are served to them at their seats. I think it's awesome. It's very um, creative, right? Everybody's got to come up with new ways to stay opening during these times. I think it's a a bit more of a statement than anything because... When you think about what goes on at a theater versus what goes on at a bar, it kind of makes more sense to have theaters open and close down bars when we're talking about COVID safety. After announcing this week, the Rio will now show sports on the big screen, a Hail Mary effort to keep this struggling business afloat. Within 30 minutes of opening up 50 seats to sports fans, both sittings were full. Still, there is frustration in the arts community as questions are raised about the closure of some places while others remain open. The Rio hopes this change isn't too late in the game for them. Nadia Stork, Global News. Interior Health has reported 11 new cases of COVID-19 at Big White, bringing the total to 214 since the cluster was declared at the mountain. And as Jamie Tawil reports, those numbers are taking a huge bite out of the ski resort's bottom line. million. That is the amount officials at Big White Ski Resort are estimating has been lost amid COVID-19 restrictions and travel advisories. And that $7.3 million figure is likely to be much higher as it doesn't include revenue lost from other on-mountain businesses like food and beverage. And while that kind of monumental monetary loss is far from ideal, the resort is taking it on the chin in a bid to get back to normal sooner rather than later. We've done the right thing by cancelling reservations from all across Canada because we desperately believe in what Dr. Bonnie and that whole team is trying to do. And if we can help contribute to stopping the spread by stopping someone coming to visit us outside our local area, then our ownership group, our executives, our team members believe that that's the right thing to do. Occupancy at Big White sits at just 14% right now. That's a far cry from the 88% during the same time last year. And that kind of dip dramatically impacts small businesses from the slopes to the city. I know that there are many people that ski at Big White uh, historically that would have stayed in Kelowna in all different kinds of accommodators. So hotels, motels and bed and breakfasts are all just as severely affected as Big White Ski Resort is. Case in point, Karen Gotchin, who owns Ogopogo Bed and Breakfast, she's been struggling with occupancy since last summer. Normally this time of year I'm filling up May and June July, August are just about full by now and I've maybe got half a dozen bookings and those are repeats so the numbers are way down. 
And that is exactly why BC Hotel Association President Ingrid Jarrett is calling on both the feds and the province for what she calls desperately needed relief funding for these businesses for things like property taxes and energy costs. Without it, she says, the numbers become even scarier. If we don't get back on our feet in 2021, we will lose 30% of tourism businesses in this province. Jamie Tawil, Global News, Kelowna. This afternoon, Fraser Health declared an outbreak at the Surrey Emergency Response Centre, formerly the North Surrey Rec Centre. Two staff members and 24 clients tested positive. Health officials are screening staff and clients and carrying out contact tracing. The centre provides 110 spaces for the homeless and those who don't have a space to a safe space to self-isolate if they have symptoms or if they test positive. A Vancouver restaurant has closed temporarily over concerns of a COVID exposure. Vancouver Coastal Health issued a closure order for Hail Mary's restaurant at 670 East Broadway. Anyone who may have been at the restaurant between January 13th and January 16th is asked to monitor for symptoms. Police arrested a man after they were called to a neighborhood in Wally at around 3.30 this morning for reports of a weapon inside a home. Police were able evacuate several people from the residence near King George Boulevard between 104 and 108 Avenue, except for one man who would not leave the home. Negotiators were called in. Heavily armed officers and at least one canine unit were also spotted on scene. Nearly five hours later, with the help of a police dog, the man was taken into custody and to hospital to be checked over. Weapons charges are being recommended. An update on a shooting that rocked a Coquitlam condo building a week ago. 31-year-old Sukdeep Singh Pansal has been arrested at the scene, was arrested at the scene hours after RCMP say a woman was shot at the building on the Coquitlam-Burnaby border. Pansal remains in custody, charged with attempted murder, aggravated assault and four firearms offences. Residents of the Marquis at Lougheed Heights found an injured woman outside the entrance early last Saturday morning. Police say she suffered a non-life-threatening gunshot wound. Pansal is set to appear in Port Coquitlam Court January 29th. Could the new Biden administration help ease the isolation of Point Roberts residents because of the ongoing border closure? Well, that's the faint hope after the Chamber of Commerce there reached out this week, just days after the new U.S. president took the oath of office. Paul Johnson has the latest. We've been abandoned. Point Roberts Chamber of Commerce President Brian Calder makes a compelling case that his little enclave of America has fallen through the cracks. We've been totally isolated with nobody in any governance level coming and seeing on the ground what's happening. There were a lot of arbitrary borders drawn up by 19th century statesmen, and Point Roberts is our local result. In normal times, the community of about a thousand got along just fine. Canadians came down to buy homes and recreate, and the Americans here could cross whenever they needed to shop and go about their lives. Where they've been going forever to their vet in, in Ladner, their eye doctor, foot doctor in, in Tawasson. Been doing it for generations. Denied. You couldn't possibly cover off in a single report all the different kinds of problems the border closure has caused here. But these before and after shots of their marina give you a sense. Calder says, given their unique situation, there should have been a sensible workaround to allow Canadian property owners to take care of their homes and for Americans to make short trips for necessary business. 
but politicians on both sides have ignored them so far, despite Point Roberts not having a single known case of COVID-19, according to Calder. We have written them, said, here we are. We're Point Roberts. The new hope is that the Biden administration's promised review of border policy could give them something. Calder's written a letter to the new Secretary of State and hopes for an improved relationship between Ottawa and Washington, D.C. But can anything happen in time? After nearly a year, Point Roberts is in free fall now. And a spokesperson for Canada's Minister of Public Safety told Global News Saturday that the restrictions that are crushing Point Roberts will stay for the foreseeable future. Paul Johnson, Global News. The man accused of stealing a Victoria Harbour ferry earlier this week and going on a vandalism spree a day later has been charged. What are they doing? How come homeless people don't stay here? This is so fun. 32-year-old Matthew Philip Poirier is charged with theft, mischief and fleeing police in connection with the ferry heist early Tuesday. Police say the suspect stole the water taxi from the dock before leading officers on a chase through the inner harbor. Less than 24 hours later, a man was arrested after smashing the windows of 14 businesses. Poirier is charged with mischief and breaching conditions in the glass smashing spree. He remains in custody ahead of a court appearance next week. This weekend's weather is putting extra pressure on local search and rescue teams. Now, today's beautiful blue sky prompted many to head to the North Shore Mountains, including a snowshoer who needed to be rescued when they broke their leg on Mount Seymour this morning. North Shore Rescue was able to land a helicopter close by and the snowshoer was taken to hospital. But that's not always the case. With rescue calls up this year, it could be a long wait for help. And with freezing temperatures and a heavy snowfall expected, these conditions could be deadly for those who do not prepare accordingly. It is cold in, in Vancouver now, and the reality is we, we can't get there right away. It could, be, um, it could be hours, depending where you are, before we get to you. So being prepared to take care of yourself uh, for that period of time is important. Some positive news in the fight against COVID-19 in this country. An Ottawa-made rapid test has finally been approved for use. The Spartan Cube promises to deliver results in less than an hour. It was touted as a game-changer at the beginning of the pandemic, but when a problem was discovered, it took months to meet Health Canada standards. Abigail Beeman has more. It has the enzymes needed. Redesigning the reagent testing solution took Spartan Bioscience longer than it hoped. Now it can be kept at room temperature instead of frozen, so it can be used anywhere. Rapid point-of-care, easy-use diagnostics for COVID-19 will really alleviate uh, the spread of COVID-19 more than a central lab can do for a lot of situations. Health Canada has given the Spartan Cube the green light. The company says in large part because of a different, easier fix. The original problem was only with their proprietary testing swabs. We were using our existing swab that was made for to swab a cheek swab. It wasn't made to swab your nose and the back of your throat to get RNA or to get virus particles on it. So Spartan simply switched out the swab for a regular nasopharyngeal swab already on the market. It says it will start shipping out back orders to the federal government this coming week and provinces which ordered directly within a month. A separate hopeful pandemic sign, a drop in new COVID-19 cases nationally.
we can breathe a brief sigh of relief. We are seeing numbers drop significantly in certain areas like Alberta and like Quebec. We're seeing numbers come down a bit in British Columbia and Ontario. Biostatistician Ryan Imgrun says that doesn't mean we can relax, especially when we don't know how widespread the UK variant is. I know this may come as a worry. It's our first exposure to this variant. Friday, Nova Scotia recorded its first case and one of the South African variant. Lab testing now confirming people who had it in December, while in Ontario. We're uh, in a deepening crisis. We have a a resident die in long-term care every hour now. My hospital has been, you know, what we consider ground zero for COVID in Ontario. We, for actually a few months, we have been at capacity in terms of our um, med- our COVID wards, our medicine wards, as well as our ICU. And particularly a few weeks ago, we were transferring significant number of patients. Emergency room doctor Lisa Solomon is now cautiously optimistic. Probably the first time in a long time that I had a shift with no resuscitations and no really critically ill patients. Solomon says things may be plateauing after a big post-Christmas spike, but no one should let their guard down. Friday, the Prime Minister said he's sending two field hospitals to the greater Toronto area. Solomon says that's a Band-Aid solution, and what's really needed is the vaccine. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa. Larry King died today at the age of 87. His cause of death has not been released, but he was hospitalized earlier this month with COVID-19. He was known for his trademark suspenders and his ability to get elusive guests. Here's a look back at the king of talk and how he defined conversation. Tributes today for the king of talk. Good evening. For more than 50 years on television and radio. Rock Indianapolis, hello. The famous and the infamous. It was a very traumatic experience. They all opened up to Larry King. Goodbye. My number one motto, I never learned anything when I was talking. But people sure talked to him in his signature suspenders. Born in Brooklyn in 1933, young Larry Zeiger dreamed of a career in radio. He chose the name King from a liquor store ad. Welcome. To Larry King, live. In 1985, Ted Turner lured him to the newbie on the block, CNN. Any personal regrets? King became the network's biggest draw. We're honored to have the president and first lady with us. He said his secret was not to over-prepare, and some called him on it. I was the number one show on television, Larry. You were Do all you know who I am? King even bragged he never read the books his guests promoted. What I worry about is where I think I know too much. The day I go into a studio saying, I've asked all the questions and I've heard all the answers, is the day i got to quit. In 2010, amid faltering ratings, that day arrived. And for now, for here, it's time to hang up the nightly suspenders. Condolences today from former President Bill Clinton, saying he gave a direct line to the American people and worked hard to get the truth for them. From Oprah Winfrey... It was always a treat to sit at your table and hear your stories. Thank you. Ryan Seacrest, truly an American treasure, rest in peace. And even Kermit the Frog. He was a friend of the Muppets and the world. A lifelong Dodgers fan, King survived a heart attack in 1987 and was married eight times to seven different women. It has been reported he had been battling COVID. Larry King said he hoped to be remembered as a good father and an interviewer 
who added to the knowledge of the world. And instead of goodbye, how about so long? Kevin Tibbles, NBC News. Comedian Dave Chappelle has tested positive for COVID. The diagnosis was, has prompted the 47-year-old to cancel upcoming shows in Texas. His representative says he is currently quarantining. Chappelle has been putting on socially distanced shows in Ohio. According to his spokesperson, Chappelle and his crew have been undergoing daily tests for the virus. More than 3,000 demonstrators have been arrested in Russia, including Alexei Navalny's wife. About 5,000 people packed into Moscow city center demanding the opposition leader be released. Clashes broke out with police trying to shut down the demonstration. Navalny had called on his supporters to protest his arrest last week. One of Vladimir Putin's biggest critics, Navalny had returned to Russia for the first time since being poisoned with a nerve agent. One of Navalny's political allies was also arrested while doing a live TV interview. Rallies in support of Navalny erupted in 60 cities across Russia. They say they are undeterred by today's arrests and are vowing to protect protest rather against again next weekend. So far, the Kremlin has not commented. An iconic car sells at auction. What the Knight Rider car sold for, we'll have that right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, RCMP in the West Kootenai went above and beyond this week when they discovered an elderly woman taking drastic measures to try to stay warm. The officers went into the backcountry near the village of Midway to check on the woman whose husband was in hospital. They found her breaking up old furniture to burn in the wood stove for heat. So they delivered and chopped firewood for her so she could save her furniture. What nice guys. Okay, Yvonne, give us the... Give us the bad news. <laughs> well, good for some if they're looking yes. for snow, but it is going to feel winter-like, so a heads up, be prepared. It's chilly out there. We still do have dry conditions. We're currently sitting at one, and the winds are calm this evening, but we've got more cloud cover, and it's all courtesy of this system that is going to push in. Now, here's the timeline once again. Late evening, overnight, and as we get in towards the morning hours, that's we'll be watching a close eye. Inland and across the island, the areas in purple, that's where we're tracking the snow. The areas in pink, it'll be wet snow mixed with rain for many spots and then we are going to see that change over to rain as we get in towards the afternoon but the precipitation will be heavy enough for the early morning hours that metro vancouver even at sea level richmond to Austin, could be seeing accumulating snowfall and we could see up to two centimeters it'll change over to rain for the afternoon and then we're looking at another wave that is going to push in towards the evening and some instability with either periods of snow or rain but that's a look ahead on our monday snowfall warning and these are the amounts so keep a close eye it's really areas away from the water, inland across the island. We've got a range between 5 and up to 15 centimeters. Most areas for Metro Vancouver, higher elevations, North Shore Mountains, Langley, Surrey, and stretching in towards the Fraser Valley, we'll see 2 and up to 5 centimeters. But here's the heads up, a special weather statement for the Fraser Valley. Another wave for tomorrow afternoon and evening could give the potential with up to 10 centimeters of snow. So stay tuned through the day tomorrow, but we are first watching the first 
first wave overnight and into our Sunday morning. The mountain passes, the Malahat will see up to five centimeters this evening. The sea to sky between two and up to four, and most of the mountain passes tomorrow will see an additional two and up to four centimeters, with a few spots along the Coquihalla with between six and eight centimeters. Now we are going to see showers are easing off to showers along the north coast. Inland will still be seeing flurries. Much of the central and southern interior accumulating snowfall between two and up to four centimeters near the valley bottoms for tomorrow. It's higher elevations, so do check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions and all areas across the south coast. It's really overnight and for tomorrow morning. There's the best shot that we're going to be looking at that accumulating snowfall. Two and up to five will be the range for most areas, but the Fraser Valley, as we get in late day tomorrow, could see up to 10 centimeters, and we still have the chance for some snow leading in towards our Monday with more of a break in between systems on Tuesday. But a heads up, we are looking at that snow and even closer for areas near sea level. Colleen? Okay, thanks so much for that, Yvonne. Actor David Hasselhoff auctioned off his kit kit car, that is, his Knight Rider car for $300,000 this morning. Hasselhoff is auctioning many of his personal items in his collection, including the kit car, a Pontiac Firebird Trans Am styled after the iconic one used in the 1980s television series Knight Rider. The vehicle is similar to the one his character drove, but it was not used in the television production and by the way, the version that was auctioned off, it doesn't talk. A portion of proceeds from the auction will go to Hasselhoff's charitable organizations, including Global Mobility, a nonprofit that provides free wheelchairs and mobility assistance to individuals with disabilities. And Barry, I was just asking Yvonne earlier if she knows anything about Knight Rider. And yeah, she wasn't born when the show No, no, I, I used to, yes, right, Yvonne's very young. I used to watch the show, and I did see David Hasselhoff in person shooting a uh, movie out in Fort Langley. Really? We didn't actually He didn't actually look my way, but I consider us friends. Of course oh, nice. you do. Your pals. Cameras are everywhere. There's even a website featuring live webcams from around the world, including quite possibly yours if you have one. And as Tracy Nagai reports, some people's private moments are going very public. They can be used to watch over city streets and add an extra level of security for people's homes. But now a Calgary man is issuing a warning following a troubling discovery. Some people might have intimate moments and they don't know that they're being watched. It's uh, really creepy. Duro says he found a website that features live security camera feeds while doing some research on doorbell cameras for his own home. At first glance, the live feed seemed pretty harmless. But then Duros realized he could see into people's workspaces, kitchens, and living rooms. A lot of those um, people don't even know that they're broadcasting. They're like personal moments at home. They have them there for security, but now people will know if they're home or if they're not. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Global News reached out to the website but did not receive a response. On the site, it states that a private camera will be removed upon an email complaint or that the camera's default password must be changed. There's definitely an onus on the individuals to make sure that they have taken appropriate steps to lock their security up when they're using these types of devices. These cameras, IP cameras, do stream over their Wi-Fi, so it's connected to their internet and make sure that their internet is 
also password protected. Calgary police say the website is not illegal and sometimes people will knowingly upload their own camera feed. That's the case for this insurance company in High River, which says it allows the public access to the camera feed so customers can determine how busy it is. But Duros believes there are many people that don't know and says he's successfully tracked down security camera owners living as far away as Taiwan. I just thought I needed to let them know that this is happening um, because they probably don't know that it's um, being broadcast. A reminder to keep your own security secure or risk your private life going public. Trace Nagai, Global News. Barry's here with sports, and it's always nice we can start the sports cast off with a little Canucks news. Uh, it's, it's better when they win. Yes, uh, But uh, they're in, definitely in a little funk here to start the year, but there's still time to go. But as we know, everyone in Canuck Nation, they're a panicking right now. Thanks, Colleen. The uh, Canucks did actually get a real break Friday when the NHL decided not to suspend Tyler Myers for his blindside hit on the Habs' Yoel Armia on Thursday night. Honestly, it's hard to believe Myers did not get suspended at least one game, even though the league says principal contact wasn't with the head. It's a textbook blindside hit, and Armia has a concussion and didn't play today, but trying to figure out what's a suspension and what's not when it comes to the NHL is often an exercise in frustration. Now in the warm-up, Habs defenseman Joel Edmondson telling Myers they will be settling the score during this game, and true to their word, they dropped the gloves. Myers uh, answering the bell, got it over with. Edmondson, big boy, landed the best shots. These two trained together in Kelowna in the offseason, so they're buddies, but the hockey code is the hockey code. Habs get their justice. We move on. Habs score first. Former Vancouver giant Brett Kulak, who's really played well since the bubble, Great little feed there to Nick Suzuki, who is a fine young speedster hab for the Canadians. one nothing Habs. Elias Peterson struggling, one assist this season, no points in five straight. Uh, there was a chance there, actually, for the Canucks missed. There's the shot by uh, Pedersen off the crossbar. Just can't buy a break right now. No points in his last five games. Second period, Canuck power play. Quinn Hughes giveaway. A uh, chance for the Habs. They hit the post. And Tyler Toffoli, of all people, bowls into Braden Holpe, former teammate and captain Bo Horvat, coming to his rescue. Canucks chance again. This time, Olio Levy will hit the post. Habs come back the other way. And Corey Perry's weak shot deflects off you, Levy, and through Holpe. So the Canucks can't buy a break. The Habs are getting all of them. By the way, that is the veteran Corey Perry's Montreal Canadiens debut, and he scores. Canucks had their chances, Jake Vertanen, but Carey Price, great pad save there to keep it 2-0 after two. Third period, Canucks finally get one. Jordy Ben playing his first game, and it's the high deflection in the high slot by Elias Pettersson. That's some good hand-eye coordination. We've seen him do this before. They did Take a look at this to see if it was a high stick, but the Habs decided not to pursue that. Good goal. It's his first of the year. A lot of relief. It's 2-1. Two minutes later, another young Swede, Nils Hoaglander with the quick backhander. And give the Canucks credit. They battle back. It's 2-2. But those turnovers have killed this team. Quinn Hughes this time. Brendan Gallagher fires it past Holtby. Now, the Canucks challenged for offside. It was close, but the goal stood. 3-2 Habs. All of that Canuck momentum gone. And then as the Canucks were pressing another giveaway, another breakaway, Jonathan drew in with the nice move. 4-2 Habs. They add the empty netter and they win two out of three in this series. 5-2 is the final as the Canucks host Ottawa on Monday. 
We don't often see blockbuster trades in the NHL, but we got one today. The Jets and Blue Jackets swapping their disgruntled stars. And this one could have serious playoff implications in the North Division if Pierre-Luc Dubois can take flight and play great in Winnipeg. Here's the deal. Dubois comes out of Columbus and is headed to the Jets along with a third-round pick, Patrick Lyonnais and Jack Roslovic, who's also a very talented offensive player, go the other way. They'll play for John Tortorella. Dubois is a fantastic power forward who can score, but he has to isolate for a couple of weeks before the Jets, uh, before he can join the Jets early next month. Now, speaking of the Blue Jackets, they played Tampa Bay just hours after the trade was announced, and, well, they had a little spring in their step. Andre Vasilevsky stops the first shot, but it leaks through. Mikhail Grigorenko taps it in, 2-1 Columbus. Late in the period, another Russian player, Vladislav Gavrikov in the slot, wires it. A glove side, 3-1 Jackets. Third period, now 3-2. Blue Jackets put it away. Zach Warensky, he's a good defenseman. Quick release. Columbus downs Tampa Bay 5-2. Golf now, third round of the American Express from the Palm Desert, California. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor started the day in second, just a shot off the lead, but he had a terrible day. Second shot, par 5, finds the water, a watery grave. Taylor made double bogey, struggled at two over 74. He's now tied for 31st at eight under. Adam Hadwin also had a 74. He's 55th. Merritt's Roger Sloan, though, did have a pretty good day. Short birdie putt at the seventh. Got him to 12 under. He's just one off the lead. Then on 11, Sloan showing some real nice touch here to bump that one into the uh, rough and settle it to within five feet. So he needs that little short one for birdie to get within one of the lead. These are the ones you got to make. And Roger knows it, and he pulled it just a bit. It was a tricky one, but he had to get that one. And later, after a brilliant tee shot at 17, same thing, misses another short putt. That was downhill. Sloan still, though, tied for 13th at the 11 under, four off the lead. There's a three-way tie at the top, including Tony Finau, who sticks his approach at the 15th. That led to a birdie. Finau tied with Max Homa and Siwoo Kim at 15 under with one round to go in Palm Springs. Third round of the LPGA's Tournament of Champions from Orlando. Canada's Brooke Henderson in contention, as she often is. Beautiful pitch shot to a couple of feet here. Six under, 65 for Brooke. She is fifth at 12 under, but the ladies were going super low today. Jessica Corda shoots the second lowest score ever on tour, a 60 and 11 under, including nine under 28 on the back, but she's in second place at 19 under. Only Annika Sorenstam's 59 back in 01 is better than that 60, but Daniel Kang has led from the outset, eight under 63 today, 21 birdies, no bogeys through three rounds, and she leads by two at minus 21. And some soccer, FA Cup fourth round, Cheltenham Town and Manchester City. Cheltenham, second division, fourth tier soccer club. Biggest match they'll ever play. And look at this, Alfie May has the underdogs out front 1-0 in the 59th. How long could they hang on? Well, till the 81st, until Phil Foden showed his quality to tie at 1-1. And then... Beautiful play here by Fernandino, chipping it over to Gabriel Jesus, and he will score. City add another in stoppage time and win 3-1, to one. so no Cinderella story this time for Cheltenham as they fall 3-1 to Man City. And we'll hear from the Canucks tonight at 11 after yet another loss to the Habs. I'm still hearing snow music in my head. <laughs>
It's just a reminder what's coming. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, listen, another Montrealer's talents have blown up recently with the help of social media. Yaya, that's his name, has posted a series of risky tricks on familiar roads catching the attention of thousands. Olivia O'Malley caught up with the man behind the viral videos. No, you're not seeing things. That really is a man driving through downtown in a children's electric car throwing bananas. The life-size Mario is actually Yaya, a self-proclaimed action man from Montreal. Or I'm just bringing some action with some comedy. The 24-year-old grew up filming and creating videos of himself snowboarding, biking and doing parkour. Two years ago, he injured his knee doing tricks, so he started to make funny videos, like this one where he jumps into the St. Lawrence River. And after my knee got better, I just continued making the videos and continued making the videos, and then here we are. Known on social media as parkour porpoise, in the last few months, he's gone viral. He has over 59,000 followers on Instagram and a few thousand more on TikTok. So I took all of my old videos that I had and I started uploading them to TikTok and I grew like 10,000 followers in the first four days. In Yaya's recent video, he's taking telecommuting literally. The social media sensation finds inspiration from various things. For this scene, he found it in the trash. And I found this rolling chair in the garbage. And I know it's not safe during Corona and everything, so I put on my gloves and my mask and I looked at the rolling chair and I'm like, Probably use it for a video, maybe. Aside from a friend filming him, it's really a one-man show. The trickster is focusing on creating videos full-time. Yeah, I'm just happy when I have an idea and I'm able to pull it off the way I, wa- I kind of saw it in my head. That's gold for me. While the parkour porpoise says he loves seeing the positive response to his videos, he doesn't encourage others to copy the tricks. The last thing I want to do is influence anybody to do what I'm doing because obviously this is kind of dangerous, you know, there's risk to it. Yaya, however, does want his audience to live their lives to the fullest. Get out of your comfort zone. Go do something that, uh, go do something. Yeah, something interesting. With a few deals on the table, Yaya hopes to grow his platform so he can continue to create videos and also change in the world. Olivia O'Malley, Global News, Montreal. Do not try that at home. Yeah, nope. No, no to yeah, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, real quick look at that snow forecast. Uh, snow picking up overnight and for tomorrow morning. So a heads up and accumulating even near sea level. Yikes. All right. Thanks so much. Tune in tomorrow morning for the very latest. That's the news hour for tonight. Jordan's here at 11. Have a great night.